slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle, Whisker presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Spooktober is upon us, and we are celebrating it all month long by taking a look at some of the latest theatrical releases, uh, as well as one that, you know, really should have come out around this time, because... Uh, Honestly, the October slate is uh, kind of take it or leave it because there's like a lot of like limited releases and, uh, you know, a, a few sprinkled here and there in regards to the genre in particular. Uh, but before I introduce you to my co-host and tonight's film, just a few general reminders. You can join us for our Twisted Tuesday watch parties. That's every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time over at kick.com forward slash from Drunk. And uh, also be sure to stay connected with us over on X at Handle with Scare. So with that being said, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, you know, tonight we are taking a look at, uh, you know, one of the more notable genre releases for the month. Uh, and, you know, on last night's Twisted Tuesday, we all got together to watch the original Saw movie uh, to really prime us for tonight's discussion on Saw 10, uh, which is uh, in between Saw 1 and Saw 2 uh, and uh, kind of leaves us with more questions uh, in some regards to uh, the story in further installments. Uh, but all in all, obviously, you know, always good to revisit the original uh, to, you know, refamiliarize ourselves with uh, just how different it is compared to some of the later entries in the series. Because obviously, uh, from the get-go, Saw wasn't all about the blood and the gore and the traps, uh, which it would obviously later go on to become. Uh, but either way, you know, the, the OG has really been heralded as, as like, you know, the creme de la creme of the whole franchise. And here we are 10 installments later and, uh, you know, we'll see where we rank Saw X amongst the 10 here. Yeah, I sort of want to say to you, I want to play a game, but I don't think I could get in a high enough pitched voice that it would work <laughs> for you. So I'm not going to, um, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the original Saw really is become, after all these years, it's become foundational horror, right? Mm. Um, but to your point, the original Saw was not necessarily about blood and gore, which isn't a bad thing, really. But it was more about penance. Mm. Um, and secondarily, how much penance would you pay to survive? And that was what was always great about them. I mean, the original Saw, we watched it last night, and it's still, I know every detail of that movie. I know everything that's going to happen, and it still gives me that that shudder down mm -hmm. my spine. Just like, if I woke up, locked up, would I think about all the things that I've done? Would I be able to pick out the things that got me here? And would I be willing to do the things that I had to do to get out? So, I mean, it's, 
I think it 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 sort of almost created a, a new sort of mini genre within horror where it was about what you did, but more about penance, and then on the other side of that arc about redemption and mm. could you do it? Um, so yeah. And talking tonight about Saw, what we've dubbed Saw 1.5, um, it's, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I do have one gripe. We talked about it pre-show. I will get to it. Um, but I enjoyed this movie. I did mm-hmm. enjoy it. And I, I will say uh, part of my notes uh, is going into the traps in detail. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to, uh, you know, rewatch saw 10 in theaters again before we sat down to record tonight uh but i really felt like you know since we did watch the original saw i would you know give a couple of like refresher notes in regards to like some of the behind the scenes stuff with the original uh to see like exactly like where it comes from in regards to like the grassroots of it all uh so for those that don't know uh the original saw was shot in a, a very short amount of time only 18 days on obviously a lot of that was due to the fact that Saw really limited its use of special effects as well as any sort of like stunt double shots. Uh, but really, Saw began back in 1999, uh, you know, after the co-creators had watched the Blair Witch Project. Uh, so sure enough, a couple of years later, 2001, that's when we had uh, the initial script, uh, which was turned into a short film, uh, aptly enough named... Uh, it, uh, well, like a lot of YouTube titles call it, call it like Saw Point Five uh, in this case. Uh, but basically, that was their way to shop it around Hollywood, uh, which you know they would eventually catch the eye of a small studio, uh, which was Evolution Entertainment, uh, who would later pick it up, and they ended up forming Twisted Pictures after you know the movie's commercial success. Now. You know, Saw was only shot for like seven hundred thousand dollars, and uh, you know. Really strong opening, $18 million in the box office opening weekend, uh, which, you know, right away, green light the sequel by, like, that following Monday. And then worldwide, uh, you know, it ended up grossing around $104 million. So, like, we're talking about one of the most successful, uh, really, like, horror movies out there. Uh, so it, it should be no surprise that, you know, it was quickly greenlit to get the sequel out and while you know i wouldn't say the box office results have been absolutely lights out across the entirety of the franchise uh that's really never been the case for like a lot of franchises either especially in the the horror genre uh but you know it's it's so interesting to know that you know there were certain elements that were kind of like shopped around for ideas like floating around for saw that would later go on to be used in other franchises because i i know james wanted talked about you know astral projection being used at one point for the saw movies and of course didn't actually come to fruition in this case but we have seen it in things like you know insidious so you know we we still got a little bit of that flair added elsewhere within the genre releases that's interesting, and to be honest, I'm glad this movie didn't do that, um, because this series didn't need it. It didn't need it. <clears throat> and looking at the series as a whole, so like for the 31 days of October, I have been binging Saw movies. That's just what I've been doing. Um, and it's funny how 
it, maybe it's my preconceptions about things, but each one of the movies I've watched has gotten a little bit better than I, at least I initially thought it was. But each time I watch them too, I learn a little bit more about the movie. And so many of these movies are at its very core. And I think this is why I love these movies. But at their very core, they are about following simple directions. The simplest of directions. Um, and we live in a world now where people don't do that. They put their own their own ideas into things. And when you do that, that's when you like fuck things up. I mean, it, we're to a point these days where people have their own opinions on what a green light means when you're in traffic, right? Um, and th there are no opinions. It's either green means go and <laughs> red means stop, right? I mean, there's no, there isn't any in between and there's nothing that's open uh, uh, to your perception, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and the more I watch some movies, the more I learn that if you listen to what he says, um, Everything that you need is right there. And and I understand that people are panicked and whatever else, but like I've done enough panic rooms and things like that. And and panic rooms that feel very real world too. So it's like, but the devil really is in the details. And that I think is what the Saw movies are great at. Um as a viewer, you, you get to you get to see and know the details, you get to hear them, you get to see the participant in the game who who might get 50% of the details because they're fucking freaked out and then how things go horribly, horribly wrong most of the time. Now, every once in a while, you do have somebody that manages to, you know, get out of the trap. And I always wonder if, because it seems like the people that get out of the traps tend to be the most desperate people, the people that are right on the, right on the fringe anyway, mm. and the people that are, on the opposite end of it, the people who are not on the fringe are the people that have the most trouble following the rules. Um, so it, the series as a whole is, is always been very interesting to me. And I think we talked a little bit about um, spiral and when spiral mm -hmm. first came out and I, I read too much on the internet. I got the wrong impression of it and I turned it off like five minutes in Okay, and, and, well, I came back to it, and I'm glad that I did because it was a better movie than my preconceived notions led me to believe it was. Mm -hmm. And again, that was because of the internet and the bullshit that I read. So I've kind of taught myself to stop doing that because, um, it, I mean, these are Saw movies, and when you get when, when you get to Saw Ten, I mean, when you're when the tenth installment of a movie, I mean, let's be honest here, you don't expect a lot. <laughs> um, it's it's not one of those things where this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. It's going to give me lots of story and lots of character with saw. I'm expecting, you know, fire hoses of blood and just everything else. Um, and admittedly saw 10, there's a couple of times where they give you something that's akin to a fire hose of blood. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, this is one of those movies. And I, I, I don't say this very often, but it's, it's better than it should have been. And um, I'm glad that I went and saw it in the theater. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I will say, like, Saw X easily could be a standalone movie. Like, you could have no, like, knowledge of the Saw franchise at all, and you would still have a, a really good idea of what is actually going on in this movie, just the way that the storytelling is done. 
Uh, now, or, what I really enjoy about this is, you know, because of where it fits in the timeline between 1 and 2, uh, Saw 10 spends so much of the runtime, and this is by far the, the longest Saw movie. It definitely earns its runtime. Uh, but a lot of the focus is on the backstory and the development of Tobin Bell's character, of John Kramer. You know, we, uh, you know, we get to trace a journey that he's on looking for this uh, miracle cure for the cancer treatment, uh, which, of course, ends up being a farce. And, uh, you know, he ends up finding his protege, which we already knew about based on the trailer. And obviously, you know, over the course of the Saw movies in Amanda Young to enact out his uh, vengeance. And, of course, that leads into... Uh, a bloodbath finale showcase, uh, you know, which, of course, as you would come to expect with any Saw movie, we have some new, uh, you know, revelations. We got several deaths in there as well. Uh, we got survivors being murdered in cold blood. Uh, you know, we, we got our, uh, <laughs> we got our, quote, villains who were really cheering for in this situation, uh, stuck in one of their own traps alongside, uh, you know, an innocent child in Carlos. Uh, but, you know, it's... It, it has a lot of the things that you would come to expect, including, like, how Jigsaw is, of course, always one step ahead of everyone, because, of course, you know, the plan all along was for them to get, you know, caught in a trap to begin with. Uh, but really... This installment really gave us so much to, like, unpack compared to some of the other installments in the franchise, so that was... The other reason why I really wanted to go back, revisit it again uh, for the second time here in the past week, just because, like, I know initially I felt, um, you know, it, it was kind of, there were a lot of elements I liked, there were some, I was like, yeah, okay, there was some atrocious dialogue <laughs> in some spots, even more so in the credit scene, we'll get into that later, because uh, that, that also, uh, kind of was an eye-opener in regards to, you know, future installments as well. Uh, but really, just the fact that, you know, we we spent so much time developing the story and, like, trying to figure out, uh, like, where Kramer's morality comes into play with these traps more so than other installments is definitely an interesting thing to discuss because I know we have had at later installments, you know, we, we always talk about the... Like, the uh, how lethal the traps are and whether or not, you know, they're cruel or if there even is a remote chance of survival. And there were definitely times in this franchise where it's just outright like, no, like this is just flat out torture. There's no way that you could actually survive this trap. Uh, and that hasn't always been the case. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into traps here in just a, a little bit. Uh, but... Really, I, I love the fact that, you know, there was a lot more meat on the bones in this story. And it was much more linear compared to other installments. Like, we didn't have a, a ton of flashbacks, uh, which tend to overlap quite a bit throughout the later installments, which was nice as well. Uh, so, you know, if if you're not familiar with the franchise, you can go in, have a good time, and, uh, you know, really go back and kind of like piece some of the other stuff together. Uh, especially in, you know, parts one through three here. Well, to add on to your point, yes, this could be a standalone movie, and it could be a standalone just sort of revenge thriller kind of thing. Um, 
which I think, for me anyway, is is a piece of what made it so good. Mm-hmm. That it did not, and going back to the fact that it's the 10th movie, it, it didn't rely on pretty much anything else from the other movies. It didn't. It didn't take any pieces of the other movies that you had to have for the movie to work. Um, you had a guy who was dying of cancer, um, and so he goes to a support group, um, and he's talking with people there, and he meets the character Henry. And Henry is, you know, also in the support group. He's also he. I think he has stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, and then after a trip to the doctor's office. In which we have what I call the daydream kill, mm-hmm. um, because we have a guy that's stealing from one of the patients, um, and as he's stealing from the patient, John Kramer has probably our only little time loop lapse where he he sort of has this daydream about how this guy would die, and it was having his eyeballs sucked out through a couple of hoses because he, you know refused to break his sticky fingers um you know but then when he meets up again with henry and henry's like he's like you're looking great and he's like yeah i went to this place and i and he writes down the name of the doctor and to be perfectly honest having had family and friends with cancer um this is all totally believable Mm -hmm. that you would go to any length um so to know that john kramer is you know, possibly one of the 10 smartest people on the earth. It's also very believable that he could fall into this trap of, you know, uh, going somewhere where they have a miracle cure and they have these new procedures and they do all these things. Um, Because one of the hardest parts um, about watching the previews and things, and it was like, how could, how could John Kramer fall for this? Like, how could he fall for it? Right. Um, It just, it doesn't seem super believable, but they pack in the characters and they pack in the stories and just how believable it truly is so quickly and so succinctly that you're just like, well, of course, this is what anybody would do. Mm -hmm. This all makes sense, you know, and you would have your, you would take whatever that you have left for money and you would throw it all at, you know, this potential cure. And it, it all makes complete sense. It's, it's all, I mean, it just, it feels very worldly and very, very natural. And it's maybe one of the, I almost want to call it the more human aspects of this movie where you, you believe it because we've all had a a mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, sister, brother, whatever, that's been in this place. And it's like, this is what would happen. This is what we would do. These are the lengths that we'd go to. Um, So it makes it very believable. And then even more so getting into when he travels to Mexico and he's, you know, he's going through the streets and he gets his, he gets his cab driver. Um, and even when he's confronted by masked gunmen that rip him out of the cab and, you know, and, and freak him out and he has no idea what's going on. Um, there's a piece of me that thinks that, yeah, if you were going to something like this and it wasn't sanctioned by a government body and things were not proven and not tested, but, um, you still had to try anyway. I mean, you know, if you look at if you look at medical things over history and you look at technology, there's radicals everywhere. And, you know, often they look like kooks, you know. But, I mean, at the same time, people think that Elon Musk is crazy. You know, I think he probably is crazy too. 
but he's also brilliant. So it's like, I mean, if Elon Musk showed up one day and said, hey, I have a cure for cancer, I might believe him, mm-hmm. you know, and I might give him every penny that I have to see if he's right. Yep. Even if you had to get shipped off to Mexico in this yeah. case. <laughs> well, I would I would hope it would be a more comfortable, cleaner country. But I mean, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on that note, this is also, you know, the first Saw installment that takes place outside of the United States. Uh, also worth noting uh, in, in that regard as well. But really, uh, <laughs> with this, there is absolutely no denying that, of course, John Kramer is just motivated by this really warped sense of morality. Uh, you know, we got his airmen, we got kidnapping, we got torture. Uh, you know, he really has this strange ideal of uh, hope for other human beings are around him. I don't know if it's the case that, you know, maybe he hopes that, uh, you know, society is going to learn how to behave in ways that uh, is not going to force him to kind of, like, act out. Because, uh, you know, in a way, he does kind of, like, show that he doesn't really want to become Jigsaw, uh, but he feels like it's it's kind of, like, a necessity at this point in time uh, to really, like, open up the eyes of uh, everyone around him. And, of course, what better way to do that than to put them in traps, really. Uh, so, you know, as you mentioned, we did have the, the daydream sequence, uh, which was the eye vacuum trap. Uh, and really, the rules of this were, were pretty simple. All the guy had to do was uh, turn this little dial five times in order to avoid having his eyes sucked out of his head. And, of course, the catch of that was, you know, his hand was attached to uh, this device, and with each turn of the dial, his fingers would snap backwards. But, of course, the pain was just too much for him to bear, and his eyeballs do eventually get ripped out uh, in, you know, pretty graphic fashion. Now, this was one of the few traps that we kind of, like, already uh, had alluded to uh, with a lot of the promotional stuff for the movie. I know they had one of the posters uh, for Saw X, uh, with this particular trap, but again, it, it was a it was a daydream sequence, which you know for for the Saw franchise, like that 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 has not ever been a thing. Uh, so you know, after it had happened, and like we snap back to like the the timeline, you know, I thought it was really funny. You know, we do see uh, the the hospital worker like put the watch back in the drawer, uh, and you know, Kramer just looks at the guy and he's like. Yeah, you uh, you made the right choice. <laughs> Just continues on with this day. <laughs> well, and that's the craziest part of this whole thing is that it, going back to John Kramer's warped sense of morality. Um, I, I think uh, you know he is. I mean, th- these movies as a whole, that they've always been guided by. I think what is a certain moral compass, mm-hmm. right? Um. And it's a moral compass that I think a lot of us believe in. I just don't think a lot of us have the stomach to enact it. Right. Um, You know, going through this, I mean, you know, everybody wants, you know, the people that are, you know, drug addicts to be, you know, subjected to a giant vat full of needles. Um, And, you know, everybody wants, uh, you know, people that are the photographers and the whole thing to be subjected to their own truth. Um, And so it's in a lot of ways, I think these movies do a great job of kind of peeling away the bullshit and making you see things for what they actually are. Um, 
But I think as a society, we're not ready to honestly have the conversation about what things actually are. Nobody wants to do that. Um, so I and I'll I'll admit that for all the Saw movies that I've watched, I there's only been one or two times where I was like, well, this might be a little bit over the top. Um, <laughs> and and those, to your point earlier, were the traps that you knew that nobody had a chance of surviving. They were just mm -hmm. about revenge, you know. And that, as far as I know, has only happened a couple of times in the entire series where there was an unwinnable trap. Um, and so, I mean, it kind of goes back to the... We'll talk about changing your ways, talk about sacrifice, right? And that's what a lot of this whole series has been about. It's been about you are on the wrong path. I mean, and it's like, okay, so what is the wrong path? And it's it, to define whatever Jigsaw's moral compass is um i'll be honest i don't think it's ever done anything but point true north i i, I honestly believe it has now it, is it brutal and do some people have to uh look at themselves in some harsh light maybe be subjected to some really brutal truths yes absolutely but it's like as human beings it's like we all have we all have those moments we all have those things that we know that we shouldn't do, and we do them anyway. Um, now, do we all ever take the time to really analyze that and do something about it? No, we don't, because we're all distracted and happy and whatever else. Um, but it's one of the things, again, that I have loved about this, this series from the absolute get-go, is that it makes you look at yourself in the harshest possible of light. It makes you make decisions. Um, and... I honestly believe it's we all as people we see these these uh, things every single day, and it's the it's the guy in traffic that cuts you off, you know, just because he can, and it's like, oh, I want to kill you, you son of a bitch, and Jigsaw actually takes it to the level of I'm gonna force you to into a place where you're gonna make a decision, like, do you want to have a lead foot or do you not want to have a lead foot, and if you're put there, what are you actually gonna do, and Going all the way back to the original Saw, when you have the doctor and the photographer that are both effectively scumbags, but on different levels. You know, you have a doctor who's a scumbag, and then you have a scumbag who's a scumbag. And it's like, but chaining them both up into a room is one of those ways that he makes you realize that you're on the same playing field, you know? And what you do with what you have... and. It, Maybe you have lots and lots of advantages or whatever else, and maybe you have no advantages, but it doesn't matter. You know, you have to make the best of what you have, and you have to build on that and make it better every day. And if you don't, goddamn, you're gonna you're gonna fucking pay. Mm -hmm. So, looking at some of the other traps, uh, you know, in my notes we had the the pipe bomb. Uh, which uh, uh, was with Diego, uh, who basically wakes up and he finds that he has uh, duct-taped uh, arms, basically a scaffold attached to his hands, uh, and he has to use them to cut the rope around his chest, uh, which sets off, you know, a timer. Uh, so basically, in this game, he has three minutes to use the scaffold to cut two pipe bombs that have been surgically implanted into his forearms, and, you know, like, obviously, like, wrist-cutting ha has kind of been a thing in more so in Japanese horror movies, especially. Um, but obviously, 
you know, suicidal tendencies have, have really always been a thing, especially more so in obviously the past couple of years, uh, more so than times in the past. So this one definitely hits, I'm not going to say close to home, but I, I feel like everyone at least knows someone that has been affected uh, by this. Uh, so he's basically having to like really dig in there. There's a, it's just a lot of tense and gory struggle with this. He does manage to detach, uh, both pipe bombs, uh, and he ends up having to use his teeth to help like rip it off in this case. Uh, and he's able to like kick it aside, you know, before they both end up exploding. But really he's just, he's just an absolute mess. And Kramer does show a little bit of empathy, uh, after this, since he does escape, uh, and, you know, he sees Diego surviving and he brings him a, a medical kit. Uh, basically telling him, you know, like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. You know, so he's like, got to give him, you know, the medical attention that he needs. And that's important because, you know, a as we've said, that hasn't always been the case in some of the later installments. So, yes, was this one pretty brutal? I Like, for me personally, like, I, I this one definitely hit me harder because uh, of the subject matter, and seeing the explosion, obviously, like, it it wasn't a massive explosion, definitely enough to, to like, kill someone, had he, uh, or, like, severely hurt him, uh, in, in this case, uh, but, you know, it wasn't big enough of an explosion to have, like, the slow-mo walk away and then, like, get, like, blown forward or anything like that. <laughs> well, yeah, so this, th these scenes, um, and I guess for me, the theme of these will were, and it goes to what you were saying, like, will you cut your wrist to survive mm. versus will you cut your wrist to die? Um, and to your point about the empathy, once he survives, he literally brings out a first aid kit and wraps him up and says, drop him at the hospital. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. So like going back to that whole point, he survived. He survived. So he gets a chance, you know. Now, granted, the movie doesn't exactly let him have that chance, no. um, but uh, but it, it but it does it does tell you something about John um, and, and his reality and his reality, and then moreover his morality, where he's like, well, okay, well you survived, so I'm gonna I'm gonna think at least for the time being that you learned your lesson, um, and since you did that, um, and since you went through and you did the requirements of the test. You know, so here's your here's your bright ray of sunshine. Here's your here's your new chance, your new day. Um, but like I said, the movie doesn't exactly give that to him. Nope. We also have the bow and marrow trap, uh, which I, I would say probably would garner the more visceral reactions from uh, the moviegoers out there. Because uh, really, you know, you're left with two options here uh the first one is pretty grim obviously got to cut off your entire leg from the upper thigh using uh you know the saw wire uh to shove a bone marrow suction device into the open wounds and uh, suck out enough marrow in order to activate the key release uh to free yourself in this case uh, obviously the other option to that is uh death because <laughs> uh, you know she's just strapped into like this uh this frame with another saw wire in the direction of her neck. And uh, I know if she fails that in the three minute timer, a lot of, a lot of three minute timers uh, in this one, uh, basically the frame would pull back and she would end up getting decapitated in this case. 
but yeah, a lot, lot of tearing of the flesh in, in this particular one, uh, which, you know, if you if you have a weak stomach, this one would probably be the one that would get you uh, in this installment. Uh, and I, I guess, too, like this, this technically also like it goes into the, the whole like medical porn thing that I'm not really a huge fan of in, in horror movies. <laughs> Uh, but you know that's okay. Like seeing like the like the the surgery or the the fake surgery as uh, you know John's awake and they're doing the you know the fake operation that didn't really uh, you know impact me too much. And obviously like we already knew it was a farce to begin with. But just seeing like the doctor like turn the screen away as like they're doing it, it's like little little suspicious in that case too. Well, and that's the whole thing about that that scene when they're doing that and they're they're doing the you know, quote unquote brain surgery on him and doing all those things. And then they do turn that screen away. I mean, that, that I think is a big clue to him that like, you know, mm -hmm. something wasn't exactly right. Um, and that's kind of where he just goes bonkers. And, you know, it has a very, I've sworn my revenge thing on, which is, I mean, for me, it's just absolutely great because it's like, it's kind of one of the first times in the whole entire series where John Kramer actually has a reason to be pissed mm -hmm. versus versus his just hatred for society <laughs> now don't now don't get me wrong i don't like society either I, I think we could firebomb most of it and start over and things would be okay um but it's one of the rare times where it's like I, I, for me personally i feel like he has a reason to be mad um and to go after these people and i do sort of like how as they go on and, and then as how the traps go on, they do get more medical in nature um, because definitely the, the we'll call it the thigh bone slash getting into the hip. Because I mean, if, you, if you're actually going to, and for people that are listening, go out and join the bone marrow registry because you could save a life. Mm -hmm. I did it and I had to be tested once and it was goddamn awful, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just go out and do it anyway. Um, but if you have to donate bone marrow, they take it out of your hip, and it's a way worse thing. Um, but this scene was so – it was so real, and it was so visceral. Um, and that saw that they had um, – I sort of want one. So <laughs> if, if you, somebody knows where I can get one, please let me know. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if you if you look back over this over the Saw franchise – and all of the times people have to do things to themselves, I think this was one of the more visceral and one of the more real scenes ever mm -hmm. because it was just one person with this and just, and as she saw it and you, and you, you watch, I mean, it's, it's like you watch her leg jiggle a little bit and then she gets in there and it just keeps going. And there's a point where she's sawing really hard and you can see her calf wiggling. Like she's just, I mean, so they did a, such a great job of making it so realistic. Um, Eh, I'm going to say this now just so we don't have to go over it over and over and over again because it is my one complaint about the movie. Like, I didn't think the traps were all that great. Mm -hmm. um, and as being an engineer for a living and really being an engineer and somebody who hates society, it's like I've thrived off of jigsaw's traps forever and how great some of them were i'm not sure why in this movie they it seems like they really throttled back on 
the mechanisms and their complexity. I mean, and maybe there was a point to that, it being quote unquote saw one point five, maybe we hadn't we hadn't quite got there. That's a fair assessment. But just having loved these traps for the last nine well call it Saw and then this one the last eight movies, mm-hmm. I really I was really hoping for something grand. And there was the the level level of the medical stuff and but then there was also a certain level of simplicity to a lot of these too, which um and maybe I'm being unfair, but it sort of disappointed me a little bit. Like I wanted just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time Every one of the traps was so fucking visceral that maybe if I'm fair, that made up for it. Mm-hmm. It helped to even the scale. But yeah, I, I, I do definitely agree with that. Just knowing where it fits in the timeline. This is uh, uh, this, of course, is the earlier work of Jigsaw. So it's like we got we got more elaborate as a franchise went along. But it's also like, OK, we've we've already seen nine other Saw movies at this point in time. Uh, eight of them pretty heavily in the trap you know department as well so it's like you just get to a point where i'm not gonna say like we're at and trap fatigue but like we have seen so many different iterations of these uh that you know it, it would be a lot harder to impress you this far in at this point in time now that being said that like the, the surgical aspects of these uh and just the medical approach to it was fantastic knowing that you know, uh, everyone that was getting targeted in this were all uh, part of the surgery ruse, which is why everything's just medical based in this case. Uh, and we have the, the brain surgery trap. And this is when our, our Billy the Puppet comes into play, making his grand entrance. Uh, you know, he's uh, wheeling in a series of surgical tools. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, we have Mateo, who must drill into his own skull and cut out a piece of gray matter, aka, you know, just a piece of his brain. Uh, and when he's done with that, he must place a sample into a fat of acid, creating a reaction that will generate enough weight to uh, release the key and allow Mateo to, uh, to free himself. Uh, so I want to say Mateo... Uh, he was the uh, anesthesiologist uh, during the the whole ruse, uh, but you know he is actually a drug dealer, uh, and you know Kramer's just like yeah you know you're not gonna have any of your uh, anesthetics here you know for uh, your own surgery so uh, trust me like you're you're gonna want to like remain alert for this, <laughs> which is fantastic you know I just I, I love the little dot like notes that he had uh, or little quips just to like kind of like add into it but again like this is another one of those where it's like man if you are not a fan of like drilling into uh skulls or you know dissections or anything like that this is another one that will probably have a uh, a pretty big impact on you as well well shit i gotta wonder like okay so for all the all the woodworking I do, all the sort of crafty things that I do, um, you know, working on my cars, things like that. Like, so trying to drill into your own skull and cut out uh, like a, maybe not a perfect section, but just to cut out a section of your own skull. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many people actually have the dexterity to do that. Like to actually like follow the lines and just, um, but then to just be, pulling out sections of your brain i mean and i i 
I sort of thought maybe my other little misgiving with this movie is, is as they were doing that, you know, because he's, he's kind of talking through the whole thing, you know, and as he's pulling things out, I thought they could have used the opportunity to have him, you know, blurt his speech or something like that, like he got into the wrong place <laughs> in his brain and probably should stop pulling stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. So I thought that was kind of a kind of a bit of a missed opportunity. But at the same time, it's like you sort of know this is a jigsaw trap and you you I mean, at this point, they've they've kind of already given you this the quote unquote survivor. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, he didn't quote unquote survive. So it's like I sort of knew going forward, we weren't going to get anybody else that was going to be able to get through this stuff. Um, but still, some of this, it was I. The blood and the gore were there, and there's definitely some spots in this. If you are squeamish about the human body, let's just say, this does a good job of making you kind of just go, oof, you know, like and just kind of want to curl up underneath a blanket and go, damn. It just, it does a good job of that. Um, but so many of the characters, and, um, you know, remembering back on my watch, and it's like, looking at some of the characters and it's like, so you're in the operating room, but I'm also pretty sure that you were the cab driver. So it's like, mm-hmm. boy, I mean, it's like, I know, I, I know Mexico does things differently here, but I, I don't think that you're a cab driver by night and anesthesiologist by day. I, I just, I don't think that is probably a thing. So, um, but still they, they, they do a good job of getting to the end of this as, as things are building and giving every character their place, um, making each one of them basically own it because they have to own it. There's really no getting out of this. It's just not going to happen. Um, but then even, uh, you know, despite John having been scammed, and he's been scammed, right? I mean, he's been totally scammed. There's almost a secondary morality flaw to every character, um, which actually makes them even more like jigsaw bait than they normally would. Even if, even if John Kramer hadn't been scammed, if he had been in Mexico, he would have went after these people anyway. I can only see that. Um, our, our next medical trap was, uh, for radiation therapy. Uh, and this is uh, Gabriella's trap, uh, where, you know, obviously the difference here between, you know, a normal cancer patient and uh, her is that she is chained up by her arm and her foot. She's being suspended in the air while the uh, radiation machine is directed at her face and really just cranked up to really as high as it can go. That bitch is on 11. Uh, so, of course, you know, it's, uh, kind of, like, at a normal level initially. Uh, and, you know, she has a tool in front of her to, you know, break her foot and her hand in order to free herself, in this case, from the chains. Uh, or, you know, if she does it, she'll be subjected to, you know, a lethal dose of radiation from the machine. Uh, so, of course, you know, pretty reluctant here at first, uh, refusing to play along. You know, at which point we start to see the radiation machine really turn it up a notch in this case. Uh, and, you know, we see her face starting to burn. Uh, and, you know, eventually she just starts wailing away at her foot. She does manage to get it out of the chains. Uh, she, you know, tries to, like, sway herself away from the uh, radiation beams. 
And, you know, the, you know, despite that, uh, you know, eventually, you know, she maneuvers. So it's once again facing her in this case. Uh, so really not having much time to, you know, break the rest of herself free with her hands. And, uh, you know, it's not long before she falls to the ground. Uh, but, you know, she does survive the game. So this is another uh, potential survivor. But, of course, you know, we have another cruel uh, twist of fate here again. <laughs> As, uh, you know, another another interference comes into play, which, uh, you know, does happen a few times. And, uh, you know, throughout the course of this movie because of the uh, the primary doctor here. Well, the best... Okay, so the best part of this... The best part of this scene for me, again, as an engineer, is that when you see the machine hoisted up in the air, and it's been basically disassembled, and they've taken a piece of it and hung it up in the air, it's the wrong piece of the machine. Um, so when you have machines that do any kind of radio beam therapy... Um, the piece that exudes the radiation is in the bottom, and it's in a it's in a piece called the collimator. Okay, so the piece that they had at the top it has a bunch of different names, but a lot of, a lot of times it's just referred to as the collector, and it's it's basically there so we don't have radiation beaming all over the entire fucking room. So the best part of that is that they had the wrong part of the machine at the top. <laughs> I thought that was fucking great. Um, it, it made me laugh, but I was okay with it because unless you really knew, you wouldn't know. I, um, I, I feel like, too, though, part of that is just uh, for the aesthetics. You know, it, it, oh, it, looks, it looks better <laughs> for the visual. <laughs> no, no, it does because the piece that actually has the radiation is the chair that you sit in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and having just a chair is not very right. Saw-esque. <laughs> I mean, well, I, well, maybe it is, I guess. But that, like, to me, it just, like, it was one of those things where I watched it and I just kind of was like, eh. <laughs> okay okay you guys go ahead <laughs> you're wrong but okay that's fine <laughs> um well but again yeah so she after i mean and she had so many <laughs> i mean it's so it's so brutal that she breaks her foot and is able to swing out of the way and then the whole machine moves it's just like mm -hmm. oh really? like fucking really i mean but again it's a it's a jigsaw trap so it totally makes sense but it's like but she gets to the end of that and she's i mean she's pretty much a split hot dog at that point. She has been over microwaved, you know? Um, but again, another one of those moments where we don't really get, we don't let to, we don't get to let Jigsaw's moral compass take over and whisk her off to the hospital or to whatever. So she has a chance. Yep. It's always Cecilia coming in to play over power and everyone ends up murdering Gabriel in this case. Ugh. Typical. Uh, but, and then we get into <laughs> to uh, the the blood waterboarding trap uh, or bloodboarding, as they had called it uh, so eloquently in uh, the dialogue for this. And, uh, you know, this is after we see Cecilia managing to overpower both uh, John Kramer and Amanda with the help of her boyfriend, Parker. Uh, who, you know, we discover has been secretly in on this scam this entire time. Uh, so basically, we have Celia forcing Kramer to play the final game. Uh, and we have Carlos, who is the young local boy who's, you know, constantly playing soccer outside of the building. 
who was befriended by John Kramer earlier, uh, to also take part in this trap. Uh, so we do have an innocent child and John Kramer in this. And of course, you know, we 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 had our moments of, uh, you know, teaching language. Uh, and he tells Carlos not to pull the lever in this. Uh, so basically with this trap, uh, they are strapped down with chains around their necks. Uh, you know, they're tied down to the floor on this platform. Uh, which really doesn't have any sort of, like, wiggle room here, other than to reach towards the lever that is at their side. Uh, and, you know, we see the platform, it races up before uh, pistons start to come down, and we see blood starts to, you know, spurt down on top of them. Uh, so we got our blood waterboard uh, <laughs> in this situation. Uh, and it is in a like, an obscene amount of blood, as you would come to expect, because it is waterboard in, in this case. Uh, so, you know, Kramer's just telling him about, you know, don't pull the lever, uh, because he wants to be the one that is, you know, dealing with the torture in this scene. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of back and forth here, uh, but Kramer does end up taking the brunt of this. Uh, and, you know, th there were definitely times when I was watching this where I'm like, there's no fucking way they're going to kill this kid, right? Like, that's just, that's not going to be a thing. And, you know, I, I was like starting to panic a little bit more just seeing like how much was coming down. Because, you know, this kid is like maybe like, he, he can't be any older than like eight. So it's like, how much can he really take uh, in, a, in a lethal trap, you know? Well, okay, so two things. Um, A... Yes, having a kid in Jeopardy. I mean, okay, it isn't the first time we've seen this, mm -hmm. a kid in Jeopardy. Um, you go all the way back to the original Saw. Um, both the doctor's, the doctor's daughter was in Jeopardy, right? Um, at the hands of Zep. But this is the first time we've seen a kid in one of the traps. So, I mean, it was definitely... Um, I don't know. I... I guess I didn't quite get the shivers as bad as you did. Um, but I definitely know where you're coming from with that, where it was like, like, okay, we're going to really, we're going to do this. I mean, and just watching it, watching it happen to the kid was, was pretty bad. I mean, just, it was, it did not give, it was not, I did, I did not have a horror movie. Yeah. in that there was no part of that at all. It well, was it's just, just like, the fact that it like, it was an innocent person in the trap as opposed to someone who was there for, you know, a reason. Well, I think you're right. But at the same time, on the other side of the trap was Jigsaw himself. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of for the morality, dispensing morality aside, um, it was a, a complete dichotomy, right? Because you had Jigsaw on one side of it and an innocent person on the other side of it. And Jigsaw was trying to make sure that the brunt of the punishment came down on him, right. you know? So you finally see a different side of Jigsaw where he actually is truly compassionate for the innocents. And he's, he, he wants them to survive and he does not want people that don't deserve to be there to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes to what you were talking about, about so much backstory and so much of the who John Kramer is, not necessarily as Jigsaw, but who he is as John Kramer um, and all the things that he's gone through. And, you know, I mean, and they've given you enough 
backstory about his cancer and how people were treated at the hospital to to sort of kick off, you know, how pissed he was and and kind of where he goes from there. Um, but I think it's it's one of the times where they finally went to the other side of the coin and said, well, no, he actually does have some, some humanity, and he's not. You know, if you're if you're in one of his traps, the odds are you deserve to be there. Um, you know, and it, for me, it goes back to, you know, you're out with your buddy and he, he robs a liquor store and shoots the clerk, but you were just driving the car. And it's like, well, OK, uh, maybe pick better fucking friends. Right. I mean, it's just like so uh, it, it 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 kind of extols the virtue of culpability and how that there are people that actually have none. Like, that kid, Carlos, had no culpability. It was a kid who liked to stand outside and, and kick a soccer ball against the wall, and he wanted mm-hmm. to be a great football player one day. That was the extent of that kid and what he was thinking at that time. There was no malice in that kid, you know? And to see somebody like that in one of his traps was, uh, to, for me, honestly, it was quite jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is... But then at the same time, to see to see John Kramer, who is dying of cancer... Being like, nope, I'm gonna take this hit and pulling that lever back towards himself. I mean, it. As much as I, and this is gonna sound terrible, but as much as I have always liked John Kramer for what he does, and I've always liked it. I mean, to me, he is, he's one of the best vigilantes ever. Not only does he kill scumbags, but he makes them die slow, and I love that. I love that. But it, we finally get the other side of it. it's like this is not a, someone who deserves to be here, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get them out. Mm-hmm. Yep, willing to sacrifice himself. And I, I will say, like, one of my minor gripes with this movie, specifically with with the kid, <laughs> is, you know, knowing that the two of them had befriended one another, and, you know, they're they're trying to teach one another uh, a little bit of the language. You know, when, when Cecilia is going outside to get the kid, she's talking to him in pure English the entire time, and he seems to understand literally every single word that she had to say as she's like slowly bringing him inside this uh, this warehouse, uh, and I'm just like, what happened to him? Not understanding. I don't get it. But you know, mind her grip. Uh, but of course, you know, as this uh, you know back and forth is going on with you know pulling the lever and uh, bloodboard uh, bloodboarding the other person, you have Cecilia and Parker who are looking for where the money is hidden. Uh, that, uh, you know, of course, is the result of their, uh, you know, scheme that they have going on, believing that is all the money is upstairs in the room where Kramer had been uh, basically just, you know, keeping a watchful eye on how the game was going. Now, little do they know that uh, this was, of course, a plan all along, and this activates uh, the start of the real end game of this movie. Uh, which puts a complete stop to the blood waterboard trap uh, and allows Amanda to set Kramer and the boy free. Uh, so we have the uh, burning gas chamber, really, uh, for the final trap in this. Uh, so we see Cecilia pull in the, uh, piggy co- the pig costume off of this cabinet, I believe in, you know, that's where the money is being stashed for the time being. And she and Parker are instantly locked in a room. It starts to fill up with burn and gas. And uh, basically, you know, we have one hole to stick your head through to breathe in the clean air. 
uh, you know, before shit really starts to hit the fan. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of do, like, a little bit of a flashback here to, like, well, how did we actually get here? You know, it turns out that uh, Diego had told uh, Kramer earlier that Parker was in on the scam and he and Cecilia were, you know, an uh, in, in item or a pair in this case. Uh, and, you know, she managed... Cecilia managed to get hold of a phone, and she made the call only to get cut off by Amanda, uh, who basically, you know, saw Parker's name in the call history, uh, and, you know, basically got him to come there, essentially. Uh, so, the, the, the whole part of this is just trying to find the money, and, uh... You know, it turns out that, uh, you know, there's a little bit of back and forth between the two, just to see, like... Well, obviously, like, the, the whole point was, like, yeah, someone's going to try to kill the, the other to uh, get the, the entirety of the pie in this case because it is down to two people at this point in time. So, all right, have at it, and let's uh, let's see what happens. So it's it's very, uh, you know, Joker-esque of, you know, just dropping, you know, the weapon in between two people and just letting them fight it out in this case. Well, it really boils down to never trust a thief. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And um, it, it, to your point, getting back to when there's just two of us left, I mean, both of these people, you know, even though Cecilia is supposed to be the daughter of a renowned, you know, physician slash researcher slash scientist slash disease curer, um, at the same time, she doesn't have any of those qualities and she's just... She's making a living off being a fucking liar. And they and they show that to you. They show that, you know, John Kramer has coughed up two hundred and fifty grand for this. Other people have coughed up way more for this, you know, through mm -hmm. the through the bank records that they have. So I mean she's just a she's just another, I mean, granted a highfalutin shitbag, but she's still a shitbag. You know? And uh so getting to the end trap, I mean, for me, I just honestly I just kinda crossed my arms and went <laughs> let's go i just want to see you know um and i think the the ending of the whole thing you know and especially getting carlos out and getting him back to his village and you know i think that was again showing the humanity of jigsaw and showing who he truly is and you know i'm honestly kind of surprised but at the same time kind of impressed that it took him 10 movies to get there um that's uh that's patience and that's stain power, right? Mm -hmm. um, but but then, you know, even even getting, you know, as the movie ended, I, I had it in my head. I'm like, wait a minute here. There's one guy that we haven't talked about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it was as I'm watching the theater clear out. It's funny because as I'm watching the theater clear out, uh, an usher walked in and he was like, wait, stay, stay. Mm -hmm. And most people, di most people didn't stay. They got up and they left. And then we had our fucking stinger, and our stinger was, I mean, if you, going back to the original Saw, and if there is any, we'll call it setting or location, that defines Saw as a series, you know, it's the original room, and that's where we find ourselves. And we have our pal Henry, the, the pancreatic cancer survivor, um, you know, who finds himself strung up in that room and you do see the body of the photographer in there. You do see 
the petrified foot of the doctor in there. I mean, it. I, I think they they made a point of of giving you these details that, as a fan of these movies, you would remember, and they gave you all of the sugar, and it was mm-hmm. so fucking spectacular. And of course, uh, you know, we couldn't end it without one final trap in that credit scene, which is uh, the scar tissue uh, trap. So, you know, we have Henry here who is suspended in the air. Uh, he has some sort of like contraption attached to him, uh, you know, where his quote scarring was, you know, from uh, the fake surgery. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like. Now, obviously, there's a lot of, like, blades involved in it that seem to be, like, moving in kind of like a circular motion here towards his stomach. Uh, but really, like, that's not that's not the big thing in in the scene here, because uh, Kramer isn't alone. He's joined by Mark Hoffman, uh, who, of course, is Jigsaw's apprentice from earlier in the Saw movies. But what's interesting about this is just the fact that this solidifies the fact that John Kramer knew Hoffman far earlier than what this franchise initially told us. <laughs> well, I think it tells you that I think it tells you that Hoffman was probably the one that was feeding him information on criminals from the mm-hmm. get go. You know? I mean, and so it it makes that little bit of, well, how is he finding these people? Mm-hmm. It makes it like, well, oh, okay. And yes, I understand that it, it makes a, it makes for a, a great lore if you have a, I mean, and I, I want to call him a serial killer, but he's not, a, he's, he's, he isn't a killer. If you break it down to that, he's not, he's just a, he's a person that puts people in precarious situations and lets them make the decision for themselves. But uh, this was how he was finding the right people to do that to. And that's how people like Carlos didn't end up in his traps because Hoffman was feeding him information. Now, I do wonder, I honestly wonder if there's going to be like a Saw 1.75 <laughs> where we get a little more information on how Hoffman and Kramer were meeting and how this information was passed along because <laughs> there was a point in the movie where you know, he made a phone call and he was like, can you find this guy? And that guy was Henry. And so they're, they're basically telling you that, okay, Hoffman was his funnel of information. And I think that more could be done with that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, and the people in the story, they haven't aged out. So they you could still do some things with that. Um, so now I wonder if they're going to give us a place where um, Amanda and Hoffman have like a new or different connection, you know, because I mean, this movie is it, I mean, it's it, it's not burning up the airwaves, but it's not doing poorly in the box office. So, I mean, I think that there likely will be more. Um, so I just wonder what they do with it if they or if they just dump this whole story and go with, you know, saw 11 in space or if we. Or if they can do more with the storyline, because having that little piece come in and seeing Hoffman there, it was literally like, I mean, seeing Amanda was like, oh, damn. Seeing Hoffman was like, oh, shit, Mm -hmm. you know, and so I think more can be done there. So I'd be curious to see what happens. So on that note, uh, I I will say there there was an interview with the franchise producer 
uh, Orin uh, Cowles, who had said that uh, if they are going to do an 11th installment for the Saw franchise, uh, it would center on Hoffman's role in the Jigsaw Killings. Uh, and here's the quote. Uh, one of the things that we've read a lot about uh, is that Jigsaw always seems so ahead of everybody. Uh, so one of the tricks in this movie that we wanted to show is that he's been dealing with Detective Hoffman for a long time. So he's been ahead of everybody and knows things that people are doing. It's a little nugget for the fans to realize that he's been talking to Detective Hoffman a lot earlier than we previously saw him in a movie. Okay, so... Hmm. So are they... Are they taking away from Jigsaw's mysteriousness, or are they connecting a dot? Um, I can see it both ways, and... As a viewer and as a a, a, a aficionado of these movies, I'm I'm not offended either way. Mm-hmm. I think I'm okay with it. Um, going back to if you can, if you can make it into a movie where, you know, the the meat grinder is being fed, but you you have a little bit more information on how it's being fed. I think I'm okay with that. I don't think I'm gonna get, you know, too up in arms about it. Now, is it a little obvious? I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. but I mean, at the same time, I mean, they went back in time and made Saw 1.5, um, you know, showing us, you know, sort of a little bit of the evolution of Jigsaw. So why is it bad to show us a little more? Or, I mean, in in, in the case of Hoffman, giving us a little bit of backstory, like, like almost like, so how did Hoffman become or get into the service of Jigsaw? I mean, right. could be interesting. Could be interesting. Maybe it's actually Saw 1.25. Or no, actually maybe Saw 0. 0.75. It's 0. <laughs> 0.75. That's what it is. Because it'll give us that little bit. I, I, I'm curious. I'll watch it. Absolutely. Uh, now, I will note, of course, we do have uh, our, our next, quote, big genre release uh, coming up. This week, uh, we have The Exorcist Believer, uh, which, you know, hopefully I'll have time to to go see it at some point this weekend. We'll, we'll I'll have to wait and see on that. Obviously, I got uh, Fall Harvest in my town this weekend. Um, you know, we like you and I have already like touched on the, the early word of mouth about the movie. I know both of us are uh, cautiously i i don't want to say optimistic about it but uh you know we we definitely have a a low bar (laughs) kind of like set ahead of time uh but what we had been looking for uh in in regards to like the other episodes for the month were the exorcist believer cobweb uh which was the one that i felt like really should have come in around this time uh, which initially was slated to come out the same week as The Nun 2, but because it was also a Lionsgate movie, The Nun 2 ended up getting that slot for Labor Day. Uh, and then, obviously, the one that you would have mentioned prior, which I had already watched and I really loved, No One Will Save You. Um, so, we'll have to figure out what order we're doing that in. Obviously, like I'll try to go out and uh, see The Exorcist. Uh, we'll, see how, we'll see how that goes, but basically, that's a slate for the uh, the rest of the month. So, should be a good time, but it's also important to note, like, we, we, we do have other new genre releases coming out. Obviously, we got, like, Five Nights at Freddy's coming out 
uh, later in the month as well, which has been... God, that movie has been talked about for so fucking long at this point in time, and it's finally coming out. Took him way too long to get that out. So long, in fact, that, you know, we we already had, like, the knockoff with uh, Willie's Wonderland with uh, Nicolas Cage, exactly. which was yep. honestly a fantastic... I really liked that movie, so I'm going to be sure really that. curious to, like, side-by-side -side compare them to see, like, which one delivers more, uh, just because I'm pretty sure uh, Five Hundred Freddy's is PG-13, if I'm not mistaken. It is, it is, which is even more interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, a baseline Chuck E. Cheese ripoff. So it's like, who are they right. trying to pull in? So, and I, I honestly didn't even know that Chuck E. Cheese was still a fucking thing. So, I mean, I, I can, I can kind of see it. <laughs> um, back to the one movie, um, you know, no one will save you. It's funny. The same night that we talked about it later, later in that evening, one of my best friends, Trevor, I'm talking to you, Trevor, sent me a text and he said, I came across this movie. Um, you know, it's called No One Will Save You. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and he said, and I'm going to quote, don't watch it. It's not worth your time. Interesting. Well, so I've known Trevor for 15 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the second time, the second time in 15 years, he and I have completely disagreed about a movie. <laughs> The, the other movie was the movie Contact, okay? And, <laughs> and Trevor, if you're listening, I want my DVD back. You've had it for 10 fucking years, okay? If you haven't watched it by now, you're not going to. Um, but it was just, it was funny because he was like, and I'm like, I don't know what you watched, but uh, you're so wrong. And then he, he and I discussed it later and kind of came to something of a, of a, a polite impasse on it. He just, he mm -hmm. didn't get it. And I loved it. So I, I think we'll, I think that's going to be a fun conversation because like I said, that movie right now is number two on my list for the year. Mm -hmm. So, and again, I'm no expert, but I watch a lot of fucking horror movies. So I, I don't know. Was I in the right mood? Did it touch me in the right place? Did I have the right amount of beer? Did I get laid that day? And just everything <laughs> was better. It's impossible to tell, but uh, that one was something special. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that conversation. It's uh, interesting that both of the movies you listed were alien movies. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, ultimately, aliens aren't my first thing. Mm -hmm. They're not the first thing that I, that's going to jump off the page at me. Um, I think Contact is a special movie for a lot of reasons. Um, I think the the theological aspect of it is super intriguing to me, which is why I like Contact. Um, I said this to you about No One Will Save You. I love the outsider aspect of it. The outsider aspect of it, and that even if it takes aliens landing on the fucking planet, somebody accepts you. <laughs> and that's awesome. Um, and I think more people should... Uh, more people should feel that way. So, mm -hmm. um, but again, we'll discuss it because there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I'll have to uh, get Trevor's take on Arrival. Does he hate that movie too? Because I feel like that uh, would be in a similar vein for him if uh, he doesn't like contact. Well, well, you know what? You know what we'll do? <laughs> I will I will talk to Trevor and I will see if Trevor can come on here and defend his bullshit position on contact <laughs> And then he can talk to us about Arrival. And, um, 
because he's a good dude, but I also know that he can talk some good bullshit. So it would be interesting to see what he has to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, with that being said, of course, uh, you know, if you're like us, you probably go check out The Exorcist Believer in theaters. We'll see how that one goes again. Like, I, I've not been sold on it since uh, I first heard about it. Not just because it was a new Exorcist movie, more so because of the team attached to it. And obviously, I've already griped enough about the Halloween trilogy, uh, well, the most recent one, uh, for that matter, enough. Um, so I don't want to go back on that. But obviously, like, that is the primary reason why I have been so leery, just because, uh, yeah, those last two was definitely not what I was expecting. Uh, but, you know, I don't have to like everything. That's fine. I can move on. We'll, we'll see how this one is. But again, like, the buzz for it ha has not been great. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. But either way, you know, we got plenty of stuff coming out this month. Um, you know, I know The Last Drive-In was kind of, like, switching up uh, how they're doing their shows. Uh, but they also had, like, an extended season. They announced, you know, all of their uh, holiday specials as well. Um, again, if you want to go revisit the Saw franchise, everything is... Well, pretty much all of them are up on uh, Tubi. I know a lot of them are also coming to Shudder later in the month as well. Uh, if you have either of those. But obviously, like, if they're on Tubi, like, you might as well just go fucking watch them. Uh, and I think it's also on Peacock as well. So, the franchise is just out there, so go check it out, uh, and, uh, you know, go through the entirety if you want to, but definitely go check out Saw X in theaters, because, uh, yeah, definitely on the second watch, you know, paying more attention to the details, and, like, I wouldn't say I, I didn't like it on the first pass-through, you know, there were just some parts where it's like, well, I've I've already seen so many of these movies. So, like, of course, you kind of know, like, the gist of, like, the, the story structure. But just the fact that it was linear definitely helped a lot more in this case. But uh, the, the time that it took to develop the character and it just it gave you time to to appreciate the work being put in <laughs> to to, like, understanding John Kramer was uh, definitely a nice surprise that I honestly wasn't expecting, regardless of what the runtime ended up being here. Well, I think you're right there. And for there to finally be a movie where we get a little bit of back, a little bit of true, maybe not true backstory, because we've talked about John Kramer's wife and we've talked about other things like that. But to actually see on screen in a linear fashion who John Kramer is and what he does moment to moment was definitely a new thing. And I will admit, the first time I saw it, I was a little bit like, okay, okay, sure. Um, but getting to the end of the movie, and especially all of his interactions with Carlos, the character Carlos, um, I have I have even a more profound respect for John Kramer than I had before. Um, because I know now that he is just doing his damnedest to clean up the dregs of society, and if you're innocent, you're totally cool. Um and I think that is fantastic. Now, getting to the end of October, and if you are having or you're in the midst of your Halloween hangover, which I know I will definitely be, uh, don't forget that November 1st and 2nd, Terrifier 2 will be back in theaters mm -hmm. with a sneak preview of Terrifier 3 attached. 
So if you're a horror fan and you're not there from that, I don't know what's wrong with you. I've already got my <laughs> tickets. I'm going to be there. Um, looking forward to it. Um, should be fun. I mean, it'll be my 15th or 16th watch of Terrifier <laughs> 2. I, you know what? I like what I like. Don't judge me, damn it. <laughs> I'm, it's, um, I think I've told you this before. It was the first time in a long time that I went to the theater and saw a horror movie, and I walked out just happy, mm-hmm. just giggling like a six-year-old girl in the barber store, and it was perfect. So I'm looking forward to seeing that again. Um, in, as for the month of, the, of October and all the things we have coming up, I mean, we might pivot. We might bob and weave, do whatever else, but we've got some good horror, some good fresh horror coming up for you. And I'll admit, I am really looking forward to Cobweb because I have not caught that yet. Um, you had such great things to say about it, so obviously I'm like, well, f- well, okay, fuck it, let's go. Um, um, with Exorcist, I mean, yeah, I, I, giving the original Exorcist and what this is trying to do, um, yeah, it's pretty easy, to, I think, to get a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold that to the side, and I'm just gonna let this movie be what it is. Um, I think it has some interesting things, you know, the the two girls that are friends and they disappear into the woods. And I, I just, I, I think it could be a really interesting expansion of the universe. I mean, and granted, we got a studio trying to make money. I get that. Um, I see the previews and they interest me. They interest me a lot. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of throw caution to the wind and go into this one and say, you know what? It's good until it proves itself not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll go from there. And then, you know, the other movies, I think, you know, you know, Nolan will save you. I think my thoughts on that one are pretty well known at this point. But I think it's also going to be horror-wise, I think it's going to be one of the better conversation pieces of the year. Um, so, um, again, looking forward to discussing that, too. And I will talk to Trevor, and I will get him to come on here and defend his bullshit review of both that movie and Contact. Talk to him. <laughs> Well, because I will, I, I, like I said, I've known him for 15 years. I've watched his kids grow up. I, I know his wife, um, and I will talk to his wife and make sure he has the free time because otherwise he won't get it. So <laughs> <laughs> that just is what it is. But um, yeah, anyway, it's fucking spooky season. I'm excited. I am absolutely balls deep in Halloween this year. Um, haven't been in recent years too busy to blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. But um living it this year and um looking forward to the rest of the year man absolutely so with that being said that will do it for us here tonight on hand with scare don't forget to join us on tuesday for twisted tuesday 7 30 p.m pacific time over at kick.com forward slash totally drunk and uh join us for whatever shenanery will ensue next week it's always a new thing every week and sometimes it's always the same thing every week because there's always just you know what uh, Interesting conversations with interesting people. That's the best way to put it. That's how the fiends rolled in this case. But the, in the meantime, go enjoy the movies that are out there. Uh, go check out Saw X. If you want to support the Exorcist sequel, go do that as well. I'm sure a lot of people are still going to check it out regardless. And uh, I, I am. I think for me, I want to see what age group is going to be the majority of the ticket sales for The Exorcist. Because that's the other part of it. Like, are they going to pull a lot of, like, the, quote, old heads that, uh, you know, grew up when The Exorcist came out? I don't know. I guess time is going to tell on that front. 
Well, I'm not quite the old head, but I'm an oldish head. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely going to get my money. Um, but I think it does seem to have a. I think uh, having two kids, and I think um, focusing a little bit on their friendship and how they come together as one thing, I think that's definitely going to pull some more people in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's The Exorcist, and it's an Exorcist follow-up. So right. it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be really pretty good, or it's going to completely suck ass. <laughs> um Everything I've seen, I haven't seen anything that tells me it's going to suck ass yet. So that's why I'm kind of going into it like, you know, we'll kind of see. And I'm going to mm-hmm. let it be what it is, and I'm going to let it play out. Um, I'm with you, though. I'm. It, I, there's a little piece of me that's unnerved, and it's like, God, I hope this is good. Um, but again, David Gordon Green, um, who made Halloween 2018, which was really good, who made Halloween Kills, which was sort of mediocre, and who made Halloween ends. And from my perspective, it was like fucking finally because <laughs> I fucking hated that movie. Um, and I, so what's he going to do with this? Is he going to come into his, as his own as a director and take a source material that is renowned and revered in the horror realms and do something fun and creative with it? Or is he going to make us another fucking Halloween ends? that sucked ass. I, I don't know. Um, but I'm gonna cross my fingers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it, call it with blinders on, and just see what happens. But yeah, it it could suck. Yeah, but, well, hopefully you won't uh, want to get your eyeballs sucked out of your sockets by the end uh, of it. Yeah, and in a daydream, no less. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you might you might wish it was a daydream. Well, at least experience a movie, not getting your eyeballs sucked out. <laughs> well, yeah, but could you imagine a world? Um, this is totally off topic, but I think it, I think it bears repeating. I I saw a video today of the cops pulling over a young kid and his girlfriend, and the kid was driving like a hundred miles an hour down the main street of some city. And okay. the cops cops pulled him over, gave him a bunch of tickets, told him how dangerous it was that he shouldn't be doing this, and the kid's like, "Oh yeah, of course, of course, officer." And like three minutes later, the same cop went to a crash scene where him and the girlfriend were killed because he was doing the same thing again. Jeez. And he was like, this is the same kid. I just gave this kid tickets for this. And it's like, so for me, one of the things the Saw movies have always done, and and one of the reasons I've always loved them, is that they've always told me that there is a penalty to be paid for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's at the hands of a somebody like Jigsaw or at the hand of the judicial system or whatever else, but there's a penalty to be paid. But, and if you don't care, you don't care. And there's nothing that anyone's ever going to do to change that. But I think what the Saw movies have always done for me is if like, they've made me think, you know, and that's a hard thing for a movie to do is to make you stop and think, um, which for me is why I've always loved these. I'm, and I'm always going to love the sauce because it, it you think that you can do these simple innocuous things and get away with it. Nobody's quote unquote hurt, but it's like you can go out and do the dumbest thing, whether it be in traffic, whether it be at your job, whether it be at the grocery store and you can really fuck up somebody's life with it. And if you're not paying attention, um, you can ruin somebody's life. Uh, and I think we all just have to be more cognizant of what we do when we go out into the world and how we treat people. 
Um, because, you know, maybe you see someone who's, you know, not doing things the way that you would do them. Well, that you also don't know if that person is having the worst fucking day of their life. You have no idea. So either don't be an asshole and do nothing or stop and ask. Do one of those two things. Don't do anything in between because there's nothing to be gained. Um, and, you know, I, I feel confident in the fact that I will never end up in one of Jigsaw's traps because I sort of live and die by his code, and I love it. I love his code. Um, I just wish more people did too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, with that being said, guys, we'll catch you next week. Y'all have a good night.